0: Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is part of our series Renew, where we are exploring what this fullness of life in Jesus looks like. Hi everyone, it's good to be back with you teaching. It's been a little bit of a break for me. Uh, Went out to see my mom in BC, mom says hi everyone. Uh, also took some time to do some planning for this fall teaching series and then also looking forward to relaunching our in-person services. And so um, it's been a a refreshing break in many ways, and it's great to be back. As we think about the fall um, over the month of September, we're going to look at renewing our relationship with Jesus. And so today we want to begin by looking at renewing uh, the vision of the kind of life that Jesus came to offer us. I think we're starting with vision because I suspect that uh, for many of us, we're so busy living life that we actually miss out on life. We have a lot of motion in our lives, but oftentimes very little meaning. Uh, Eric Weiner, an author who describes himself as a agnostic by default, describes his own search for life. He wrote that the 17th century French philosopher Blaise Pascal coined the term God-shaped hole to describe the yawning void that's the human condition. Over the years, he writes, I've attempted to fill this God-shaped hole with all manner of stuff, food, sex, leather tote bags, success, more food, travel, drugs, books, more food, leather-bound notebooks, red Zinfandel, Cuban cigars, yet more good food, pretentious foreign films, and once a briefly and ill-advisedly concoction of Guinness and Jack Daniels imbibed through a plastic funnel. He concludes, none of this has worked. Nothing that Eric Weiner pursued gave him the life that he was looking for. Nothing filled that void. Nothing gave him the life that he was seeking despite the fact that he pursued many different avenues. And I think all of us are kind of like this guy. We're trying to find life and yet... Life is elusive for many of us. In the Gospel of John, John tells us that Jesus is the life that we're seeking. John says in chapter 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And so today we're going to look at the kind of life that Jesus has to offer. We're going to read from John chapter 10, verses 7 to 10. So hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's pray together. Jesus, as we come to you today, we come to you, the living word. Uh, even as we read this text, we recognize that we need you through the work of your spirit in us to illuminate the text for us. And so we invite you to do that for us. Help us to see you in the life you have to offer in new and fresh ways and with new and a new set of eyes. Continue to deepen our relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen. So John starts his gospel by identifying Jesus as the life that's the light for all humanity and then Jesus emphatically states himself that he has life for us and has it for us to the full. Jesus has on offer the kind of life that our souls are really longing for, but we haven't been able to find. And so we're going to look at three questions as we come to this text. What does he mean by this? Why do we not have it? And how can we get it? So, what does he mean by fullness of life? One of the tensions in this pandemic has been the tension between safety and really living. When the pand- pandemic started, everything shut down and we focused on keeping safe. I mean, I mean, it was the message that we heard everywhere. You need to stay safe. You need to be safe. You need to keep yourself safe. You need to keep others safe. And I'm not suggesting that we do like uh, otherwise. Uh, I- I'm not suggesting that we play fast and loose with Human life. But herein lies the tension for many of us because we realize that we need more than safety. We we want to, we need to pursue more than safety because the human heart wants life more than safety. Safety is basic and it's necessary, but we, we want more than survival. We we want abundant life. We want overflowing life. We want fullness of life, richness of life. We don't want to just survive. We want to thrive and need to thrive at every level of our human being. We were made for more than just safety. We were made for life. And the importance of the desert, the imagery of the desert can't be missed if we're going to understand this text and really understand Jesus and what Jesus is all about. The desert is central in Israel. It's central in the Bible. Children in the Middle East tell stories about the desert the way we might tell stories about mountains or trees or forests or oceans, the majority of the Bible stories, or many of the Bible stories at least, have the desert in them. The desert shapes the life of Israel and it shapes the life of the people of God. And the importance of the desert can't be missed. And so when Jesus uses the the imagery of a shepherd for himself and sheep, uh, it's imagery uh, that occurs in uh, a dry wasteland that is incredibly dangerous. In the kind of landscape where water is scarce and food is rare and physical dangers like predators and thieves and treacherous cliffs are everywhere, Psalm 23 gives us a picture of what a good shepherd does to lead his sheep in the desert. Competent shepherds know how to help their sheep thrive in the midst of this dry, treacherous wasteland. And so when Jesus is talking about life, he's referring to finding life in an inhospitable environment. Not in a lush green pasture like we might imagine but in a dry wasteland. He's talking about being able to thrive in a dangerous space that could potentially lead to your ruin. There are also two words for life that the scripture uses. The first word is the word bios and the second is the word zoe. Bios refers to duration of life and it refers to the necessities of life like food and water. So time and the basics that we require to live. Zoe, on the other hand, refers to life as God has it. And that's the word that Jesus uses in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I've come that they may have life as God has life. It's not duration of life. It's not about physical safety. It's not about basic necessities. It's not even about the collection of cool experiences because most of us when we have these cool experiences in life, we, we often use terms like, oh, this is the life. This is really living. For some, it might mean, you know, being out on a beach in Mexico or up on a mountaintop and we, we kind of survey the landscape and we go, oh, this is life. We sort of settle into a, a state of peacefulness or richness or fullness and we imagine that this is life. And for some, it may be flying down a a mountainside on a, on a mountain bike and you're flying down that mountainside and you're going, oh, this is what living is really like. This is what life is really like. This rush that we feel. This is really life. But even those experiences are temporary. They're fleeting because we have to go back to try to repeat them over and over and over again. Those experiences aren't really what Jesus is talking about. The scripture describes life as an infilling or an outpouring of God's life into our inner being, God breathing his life into us. Where there is Zoe, there's new life. There's removal of shame and guilt. There's joy and peace. There's meaning, there's kindness, there's healing, there's harmony, there's freedom. It's the kind of life that overflows from our lives into the lives of other people. You see, the the medical community, and rightly so, is, is concerned about bias, Be safe, wash your hands, stand six feet apart, wear masks so that we live longer. Duration of life. Most of our days are full of bias. We're concerned with food on the table and safe travel and a place to lay our heads. And of course, these are important, but we need more. We need to know that there's more to life. And we know that there's an incredible emptiness in our lives if all we do is focus on bias. And Jesus is not unconcerned with bios, but he's offering us Zoe. Jesus' primary concern is not our safety, but the ability to experience the life of God internally. That's what he has to have. That's what he has on offer for us. And he says, I've got Zoe in super abundance. The life of God can fill you and overflow out of your life. And that can happen even in the midst of a pandemic. That can happen in the midst of, of a desert like a tough job, a difficult marriage, a financial challenge. You can enter into joy and peace and love and goodness that exists in heaven when the life of God is poured into you, even in the midst of a desert. Wherever you find yourself today, I want you to know that God has more for you. He has more life for you. He has more joy. He's got more peace. He's got more freedom. He's got more grace. He's got more love. He's got more significance, more goodness. Ultimately, God has more life to give you because God wants you to thrive as a human being. So then the next question is, why do we not have fullness of life? Why don't we have it? Jesus says in this text, all who have come before me were thieves and robbers. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus is stepping into Old Testament tradition here when he describes himself as, as a good shepherd in John chapter 10. Does that a little bit earlier in the passage. In the Old Testament, God is the shepherd of Israel and his leaders are described as shepherds. So the practical leadership of prophets and priests and kings were described as the shepherds of Israel. For example, Moses and David are both described as shepherds and they're good shepherds. But then you have these impious kings and priests who were oftentimes called false shepherds. And when Jesus delivers this message to his disciples, it was during the time of uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a season where they ask hard questions about the failed leadership of Israel's shepherds. How did we lose our way? What went wrong with the leaders of Israel? Where were the shepherds? What must the shepherds do today? And it was during this week that Jesus gave his good shepherd sermon sermon When they would have been reading prophetic critiques of the leadership of Israel, like the one found in Ezekiel 3, woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter choice animals, but you don't take care of the flock. You've ruled them harshly and brutally, so they're scattered. When Jesus says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, he's talking about the fact that when we knowingly or unwittingly even follow false shepherds, it leads to emptiness and death and destruction and ruin. If someone or something other than Jesus is your shepherd, it will be to your peril. It's that simple. If there's emptiness and loneliness and despair and frustration frustration in our lives, then something else or someone else is shepherding me. If your vocation is your shepherd, there will be a constant restlessness in your life. If religion is your shepherd, you will never do enough to please God. You'll always live with a sense that you're not enough, that you haven't made the grade. If the pursuit of fun and pleasure is your shepherd, you'll always be dissatisfied. If drugs or alcohol are your shepherd, you'll be wasted. If sex is your shepherd, you'll be lonely and lack intimacy. If money's your shepherd, you'll never have enough. If you let, let, let another person be your shepherd, you'll always be disappointed. They'll let you down. You can name all sorts of false shepherds in our world that lead us to a sense of emptiness and ultimately to our ruin. The reason we lack life in superabundance is because we've allowed other things to be our shepherd, the thief comes to steal, comes to rob us of life. And the question that I might ask you today is what have you been looking to to provide the kind of life that your soul really longs for? If there's an emptiness in your soul, if, if there's a sense of frustration, if there's a sense that you're not enough, if there's a sense that you lack intimacy, Perhaps there's something else that you've allowed to shepherd your life. Which leads to the third question, how do we then experience fullness of life? And I turn our attention back to the the image of shepherding that Jesus is using in this passage. And he says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. Sheep, follow their shepherd. They know his voice and they follow him. And we use the language around here of uh, apprenticing under Jesus, which means to be with him, to become like him and to do what he does, following him. Now in the New Testament, they use the term shepherding. We don't use the term shepherding because it doesn't necessarily translate into our, into our culture, but the term apprenticing does because we understand, I think, what it means to apprentice under someone. Uh, sheep follow their shepherd, apprentices follow their master. They learn from him, they grow under him, and in many ways they they become like him. In the late 1980s, during the Palestinian uprising, the Israeli army decided to punish a village near Bethlehem for not paying taxes. The officer in command rounded up all the animals in the village, put them in a large open barbed wire fence. Later in the week, he was approached by a woman who begged him to release her flock. He pointed to the sheep and he said, look, there are are hundreds of animals in this pen. How could you possibly tell which one is yours? She asked if she could separate them, at least have a chance to separate her sheep. He agreed. The soldier opened up the gate and the woman's son produced a small red flute that he'd been carrying with him. He started to play a simple tune on the flute. And as he kept playing this tune, Sheep heads began popping up in the pen. The young boy continued to play his tune and walked home, followed by 25 sheep. The sheep heard the voice of the shepherd and they followed. So what does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? Well, it's not believing truths about Jesus. That's just giving mental assent to a body of truth. Let's use honey as an example. You can believe certain facts about honey. You can believe that that honey exists. You can believe that uh, honey is sweet. You can believe that it's golden in color. You can believe that um, it actually tastes sweet. But, But when you taste honey, you actually experience it in a whole different way. Believing truths about honey is profoundly different than experiencing the reality of honey. Believing certain truths about Jesus is profoundly different than actually entering into an experiential relationship with him. It's entering into a relationship with him in which he relationally leads us through the challenges of the desert that we find ourselves in so that we can find life. Apprenticing under Jesus means that we have a living shepherd to love us, to cleanse us, to guide us, to feed us, to heal us, to protect us, to lead us into love. Jesus always leads you toward the places that bring you life. Being in a relationship with Jesus never diminishes you, never creates fear, never creates anxiety. Being in a relationship of trust with Jesus leads you to flourishing as a human being. He leads you toward real peace, Toward real joy, toward real goodness, toward real and lasting love, toward real kindness and mercy and truth. See, here's the truth. When Jesus is your shepherd, nothing can stop you from having life. Nothing can deny you from the life that you really long for. No one can stand in your way with the kind of life that Jesus has on offer. No pandemic or government can rob you of life. Lack of money or experiences can't deny you the life that Jesus offers. Death can't even destroy the life that Jesus has on offer. No circumstance can cause you to lose out on the life that Jesus has on offer. Some of you might ask, like, why should I trust him? Why shouldn't I just trust myself? Why shouldn't I trust another shepherd? There are lots of voices out there that promise us life. Why shouldn't I follow those? Four times in this passage, at least in the next eight verses following this passage. Jesus says, he lays down his life for a sheep. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. Verse 15, I lay down my life for my sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life. Verse 18, no one has taken my life from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Jesus proved the depth of his love for us and his commitment to our flourishing by abandoning his life so that we could find abundant life, life overflowing, the life of God. Three days later, after he died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb. He rose in triumph over death, offering resurrection life to us. Today, Jesus is alive. He's a living shepherd. He's not just some idea, he's not a principle. He's not the path, 10 truths to the pathway of life. Jesus is a living shepherd leading us again and again day in and day out, moment by moment to abundant life, overflowing life, victorious life, never-ending life. My appeal to us today is to regain a vision of the kind of life that Jesus has to offer us. All around you, voices are offering you life. Jesus, the one who went to the cross and died for you and rose again in victory over death, offers you life that's superabundant life that's never-ending, life that offers you the kind of joy and peace and love and goodness that your soul is longing for. Jesus offers you life. So let's pray. Jesus, we, get, we come to you again. We thank you for the offer of life. Again, we want to regain that vision, help it to pierce our minds, our hearts, hearts, our souls, our very being. I recognize that there are so many voices out there offering us a taste of life, and yet you're the one that offers us life in abundance, life that's overflowing, life that's never ending. And so Jesus, as we come to you and submit to you, surrender to your shepherd leadership, as we come as your apprentices, apprenticing under you our our master, we thank you that your leadership provides us with life and we surrender and submit again to you today in your name we pray amen thank you for tuning into our podcast today to discover more about stony plain alliance church and its ministries visit our website at SPAConline.com. Grace and peace.